0: The monarchy does not belong to a family. It belongs to the Zulu nation. I challenge you to find a former president of the ANC who thinks things only went wrong when he was no longer leader of the ANC. It may not be a genocide in law. That does not mean it is not a genocide. And women in the ANC need to rise to their rightful position to provide leadership on the basis of feminine wisdom.
1: Spread the fire. Welcome back to SMWX. And today, I am very glad, excited, and proud, and indeed honored to welcome back SMWX royalty, none other than your favorite SMWX guest and analyst, Ukoko Obri, Machiku, we are going to break down the Zuma MK Party, all the reaction to that. Statements, former presidents, left, right, and center making statements, Mbeki, Amazulu Royal Succession, the ICJ case, Gaza and more. Gogo, what a what a privilege to have you and what a time to be having another conversation.
0: Togoza <inaudible> Gogo.
1: I guess there's nowhere else to start than with President Jacob Zuma's Mm. bombshell announcement that he won't be supporting the ANC, and he will be supporting MK while remaining a member of the ANC. Help us make sense of all that has happened around former President Jacob Zuma and the MK party.
0: Well, to understand what's happening now, and what he's likely to do, and what is likely to happen to him in future. You, you have to go back to the period after June 2005. Remember that in June 2005 at the ANC's NGC, um, what happened is that the rebellion against Mbeki effectively was launched. You will also remember that uh, on June 16, um, 2005, Mbeki was given, um, or supposed to give, a keynote address at Mbombela um, Stadium. And he was booed and heckled because he had just fired Jacob Zuma as the deputy president of uh, the country. Following the guilty verdict, in the Sheikh case, as a result of which uh, former president Mbeki decided to relieve him of his duties as deputy president of the country. Mm. Now, there are certain features of that rebellion that are not too dissimilar from what Zuma is doing today. First of all, what Zuma had to do to defeat Mbeki? in the contest for the presidency of um, the ruling party was to step outside the disciplinary code and framework of the ANC by creating parallel structures to the formal structures of the ANC. So what we in the end referred to as the Zuma coalition was a conglomeration of political forces and entities and new structures that were created in his support that operated outside the formal processes and structures of the ANC parallel mm. to those formal structures and processes of the ANC. He is doing the same now, and, and, and the attempt he's making here is that of Neutralizing the accusation that he is acting outside the, fo- the formal structures of the ANC is acting outside the disciplinary code of the ANC by saying, I am going to die, an ANC member. Mm-hmm. In other words, I'm going to locate myself, I'm going to locate my campaign outside the structures, processes, and disciplinary code of the ANC while claiming I am doing so as an ANC member, while claiming that I am doing it in order to save the ANC. Now, also what I found interesting is that many of those in the Alliance who have come out against Jacob Zuma were his staunch supporters at the the time. And of course, conveniently, they forget that they are the ones who gave us this moment. They are the ones who gave us Zuma's uh, coalition against Tabumbeki. They are the ones who gave us Zuma's Zuma's presidency of the ANC and Zuma's presidency of the country in 2009. Because the SACP and Cosatu in particular make a strategic error by putting all their tactical and strategic eggs in this one basket, the Zuma basket. So what they don't do is to look at what is strategic. Uh, They decide that they are going to first of all, erroneously declare that Zuma is a candidate of the left. And as I said at the time, if a physician Examined Zuma, such a physician would not find a single left-wing bone in his body. Now we 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 have the wrong strategic choice on the part of Kosatu and, and, and the SACP at the time, born out of the expedient imperative to remove Tabombeki as president of the ANC and install in his place uh, Jacob Zuma. And this is how we find ourselves here. One way of putting it is that the Pulukwane chickens have come home to roost. Hmm.
1: And I wonder what you make of the strategy of of Zuma's announcement, which I think hasn't been looked at in its full depth. As you say, this, this triple move of, locating himself outside disciplinary processes while supporting a new party, but then wrong footing everyone, because a lot of people thought, okay, he's now leaving the ANC, but then he decided, no, he said he's going to die in the ANC. So he's, he's created this uh, dilemma for the ANC where if they remove him fully from the ANC, then he becomes a martyr. But, if they don't, then the ANC looks weak. Look
0: at what he does. Look at how he positions himself. First of all, as I've already said, he positions himself as a savior.
2: Mm.
0: He is the Messiah who is going to save the ANC from Ramaphosa. Mm because what he does is to effectively say there's a need to distinguish between the authentic ANC uh, of which he is part and will die a member of and the inauthentic ANC of Ramaphosa. So to the extent that he can be accused of engaging in a series of actions and activities that are detrimental to the ANC, that is a lie to the extent that his actions are not directed at the ANC, they're directed at Rama ANC. And he does something else when he positions himself that way. He does what he did with Mbeki actually. Remember one of the reasons he becomes ANC president in 2007 is because he is not Mbeki. Mm -hmm. Nothing more strategic or tactical. Many support him because they hate Mbeki. So he succeeds in dislodging Mbeki because he is not Mbeki. And now what he is saying is that he is not Ramaphosa and therefore goes forever to insinuate, not very subtly, that the problem with the current president of the ANC is that he is a Quisling and he's a former apartheid spy. And and, and therefore, if there is anyone who is a danger to the ANC, the authentic ANC, he says, he will die a member of. It is this Cyril Ramaphosa who is both a Quisling in terms of his relationship with the white capital, and but is also a former apartheid spy. So that's a, a very interesting way in which mm-hmm. he, he positions himself. So he he creates in Ramaphosa this other, who in contradistinction to him, is a Quisling mm-hmm. and a sellout. And what that means by creating this other is that he is the other, who is not a quisling, who is not a sellout, who is acting in the best interests of the authentic ANC? So what he creates are two ANCs: Ramaphosa's ANC and the ANCs of whose members, of, of, I mean the ANC in which he will mm. die as a member. Now. The, the, the problem with this positioning is that, you know, in the ANC, no one was an apartheid spa. And everyone was an apartheid hmm. That's the problem with the ANC. So, the manner in which the accusation has been deployed in the past is not dissimilar to how he's deploying the accusation that Ramaphosa was an apartheid spy or is a quisling Mm. this time. That accusation has always, or almost always been deployed to destroy political enemies. Mm. And what he's doing is no different. But he's going to run into the problem that no one in the ANC was a spy, apartheid spy, and no one, I mean, everyone in the ANC was an apartheid spy. In this way, you are going to hear very soon. And we heard some years ago, some voices within the ANC, some veterans, asking the question, who is this man? And in fact, over the past few days, some of the veterans have been asking that very same question again, who is this man? Now, what are they trying to do? In the ANC, when you ask, who is this man? You are not asking a question. You are are tagging that person as someone who's problematic, counter-revolutionary, a former apartheid spy, and so on. Now, some veterans themselves have in the past asked of Jacob Zoma, who is this man? In other words, Hmm. they have alleged that he himself was either an apartheid spy or there was a suspicion to that effect. So to the extent that this allegation against uh, Suru Ramaphosa may muddy the waters, it's an allegation that may muddy his waters too. Hmm. Now the question is, for whom is the allegation going to be fatal? Mm. Is it going to be fatal for Jacob Zuma? Mm. Or is it going to be fatal for uh, Cyril Ramaphosa? So his strategy for me um, is very interesting in that it relies on elements of the ANC's heritage of struggle. Mm. Mm. And so what he's trying to do is to place Ramaphosa and Ramaphosa's ANC outside our heritage of struggle Mm. and to locate MK and himself within that heritage of struggle. In fact, to locate himself as one with MK who are not only acting in the interests of that heritage of struggle, but are the custodians of that heritage of struggle. And it is in that context that he positions himself as one who acts outside ANC structures to save Mm. ANC.
1: Thanks for watching SMWX. Before we get back to the episode, I just wanted to let you know the four ways that you can help support this channel if you want to see us growing bigger and better to keep you more entertained and informed. The first way is you can invite me to speak at your company, your school, your institution. You'll see the contact details down below. The second way is that you can become a member of this channel. Become a member or you can give us a thanks. You'll see there's like a heart with a dollar sign in the ribbon below this video. Buy me and the team some coffee for this episode. The third way you can get involved is you can advertise on the channel. Now, I'd much rather the community of viewers would be advertisers on this channel than me going out to people who don't really know about SMWX and trying to explain it to them. So if you're a viewer and you have a business and you want to partner and you love this platform, let's partner on this channel. And then finally, you can buy merchandise, you can buy books. All this is in the description down below Now let's get back to the episode. What do you make of the name and the selection of the name and the symbolism of the name in order to send that exact message? Because it seems to me that through selecting that name, of course, which the ANC will contest and there'll be a battle legal and political around it. He's doing just that. He's saying that there was a period in history where a new body that was somewhat linked, but somewhat delinked from the ANC had to be formed that body actually took the struggle forward in a much more urgent and serious way. Mm. And it's to that legacy now that I return, which he is an heir to as well, Mm. rather than the, the ANC proper legacy, we need to go to the MK legacy of that wider liberation struggle. You know,
0: during the liberation struggle, MK, or the military struggle, Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: was subordinate to the political struggle. So the prosecution of the military struggle was as directed by the political leadership. But one of the unintended consequences of positioning MK in that way was that the so-called civilians or some of the so-called civilians within um, the ANC Mm. were not in support of the armed struggle in general and MK in particular. So, so, So the position of MK becomes secure because MK was also closely associated with the SACP. Right. And so what happens is that if you want to advance your position within the ANC, you had to find yourself either in MK or in the SACP or both. And, and what then developed out of that is that to the extent that you were respected, you are respected because you are a trained guerrilla, or you are a member of MK, or you are a member of both MK and the SACP. And you'll also remember mm-hmm. that many, after 1990, after the unvening of the ANC, forget that they are members of the SACP.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, it, it's something they do not foreground anymore because there's no benefit anymore mm-hmm. uh, to being associated uh, with the SACP. Hmm. You will also remember just how inglorious the coming back of MK soldiers was after the unbanning.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, they came back as members of a ragtag army uh, in in uh, sports bags and truck suits. Hmm. You will also remember Um, that at the 50th anniversary of MK, I think it was held at Orlando Stadium, I had not expected that this 50th anniversary um, of MK would be so inglorious itself. Because actually, um, how badly organized it was and how undignified the ceremony was betrayed a distance that had developed between the ANC and its military wing. So in a way, uh, this may be an attempt, whether genuine or not is another question uh, altogether, Mm -hmm. on Jacob Zuma's uh, part to restore the dignity of MK, which was lost Mm -hmm. after the unbending of the ANC in 1990. He may also be Doing something else. Remember, to take up arms uh, suggested that you were militant. So, what he is doing is using MK as a symbol. Mm. It is a symbol of radical politics. Whether he is a propon- proponent of radical politics himself is another question altogether. It is a symbol of militancy. And so by naming this new party MK, he is suggesting that South Africa led by MK would be led in ideological and other terms by a political party that is going to posit, first of all, a revolutionary uh, narrative and critique of what is happening and therefore agenda. Uh, in terms of installing a social, political, and economic order uh, that will be different from what we have today. So MK is a symbol. What it will lend uh, um, to MK the party as it lends credence to it, it is through the suggestion that what we have in the MK party is both a counter-hegemonic discourse, a counter-hegemonic agenda that will will deliver to South Africa a counter-hegemonic reality, which counter-hegemonic reality will deliver a nirvana of prosperity in South Africa.
1: I wonder what you make, therefore, of the ANC's response, because Zuma uh, issued his opening gambit, as it were, and, and we've explained and, and analysed what he he did there and the multiple things that, that he's doing. And then the ANC had this choice, as I say, because he presented them with a dilemma. Expel me now, because I'm obviously flagr- uh, flagrantly going against various disciplinary codes. I mean, what could be worse than saying mm, mm, I'm 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 aiming at your electoral majority or leave me and show that you don't know what to do and and you're too weak and too divided at this point to take decisive action. And true to form in some ways, the ANC has done neither, both and none <laughs> at the same time. So out of the NEC uh, recently uh, gathering, we have this decision to suspend him, not to expel him, which essentially retains his membership but takes a disciplinary step at the same time. What do you make of how the ANC has grappled with this and then come to a a position?
0: Well, remember the Zuma moment, what I call the Zuma moment, And I argued since Fulukwane that the Zuma moment will be with the ANC and the country long after Zuma himself has transitioned
2: Mm
0: -hmm. to the next phase of his eternal life, if it is going to be an eternal life. So the Zuma moment is going to be with us for a long time. to the extent that uh, there are many dimensions, uh, more of which of course are negative, uh, not positive. That will be with our politics, with our so- social, political and economic reality for a long time after Zuma himself is no more. So the, the answer is interesting.
1: Mm.
0: in how it responds, Mm. because let me just go to the DA for one moment.
1: Absolutely, sure, yeah. Helen Zille,
0: upon realizing that the DA has hit a ceiling
2: Mm.
0: amongst white voters, decides that what the DA must do is to increase the number of black members and, more importantly, the number of black people who vote for the DA. But she does that in very interesting ways. One of the ways in which she does it is to make an attempt at locating the DA within our struggle heritage. Mm. The DA starts toying.
2: Mm.
0: The the DA starts singing struggle songs, mm. and then what does she do? She says Alan Payton mm. Mm. is the same kind of stalwart Mm -hmm. as an Oliver Tambo Mm -hmm. or a Walter Sisulu or Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. So icons of liberalism in South Africa are portrayed as icons of the anti-apartheid struggle who are similar or the same as. A Nelson Mandela, Mm -hmm. a Sisulu, a Tambo, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and so on. So if you look at Zuma, there's a time when Oliver Tambo says, the greatest enemy to the ANC is itself. And he said the greatest enemy to the ANC is the enemy within. So, so, so when Zuma insinuates that Cyril Ramaphosa is a quisling, what he is saying is that Cyril Ramaphosa is the enemy within. The ANC in its response mm. is telling us that actually the enemy within is Jacob Zuma. So there is a tussle. Mm. Between Jacob Zuma and those who support him on the one hand, and the ANC on the other, as to who constitutes the enemy within and therefore the greatest threat Mm. to the ANC. So it seems to me that for the past six weeks or so, Zuma has been one step ahead of uh, the ruling party because for too long during the six weeks, the ANC is at sixes and sevens. Mm. And, and one of the reasons it is at sixes and sevens is that one of the tendencies that have undermined the ANC is this thing of equating the ANC to its leader. It has happened under Zuma, it has happened under Nelson Mandela. It has happened under Tabo It is happening under Cyril Ramaphosa. And so once you start confusing the leader with the party, yeah. you're equating the party with the leader. Actually, you are not too far from thinking that the leader of the party is above the party. Mm. And therefore the imperative is to protect the leader. Yeah. yeah. So what seems to have occupied the mind of too many in the ANC over the past six weeks, how do we protect our president?
1: Mm-mm.
0: Not how do you protect the ANC Mm-mm. and have a discussion about how you can protect the president of the party and the party itself. And in a way, Uh, Jacob Zuma sets that trap for the ANC Mm.
2: Mm.
0: by insinuating that the ANC of Ramaphosa is led by Ramaphosa the sellout. forces them to prioritize protecting this individual leader, Mm. Suri Ramaphosa, instead of looking at the broader imperative of how to defend the ANC against this attack. Mm. So, He sets that trap successfully, and and by the way, I'm open to the possibility that the trap is accidental. Mm. It's it's, it's not by design, but the trap does exist in in any way. And the ANC falls into that trap and spends too much time focusing on how to protect Ramaphosa, Mm. instead of focusing on how to uh, protect uh, the party. In the meantime, what has been happening? Zuma is gaining momentum.
2: Hmm.
0: MK is gaining momentum in KZN. Now, we can quibble about how deep that momentum is. Yeah, sure. But we can't quibble with the fact that MK, the MK party has been gaining momentum.
1: Maybe even more than many people would have imagined because Zuma has been out of uh, the political formal party political limelight for yes. a while yes. there was a suggestion that his influence had waned and so that momentum has been quite surprising at least the extent of it yes. and uh, the mobilization capacity uh, that we've seen in these early weeks
0: you're right so so there are two things we can't argue against that the mk party has been gaining momentum the second thing we can't argue um against is, is the fact that the level of support um, for the MK party around the country has provincial variations. Mm. Mm. So I don't think I would quibble with anyone who suggests to me that the support is concentrated largely in KZN. Yeah. Now, there's something you can do with that, which Zuma has done in the past. Now, remember that to defeat Tabombek in, in in the period leading up to uh, Bulugan,
1: yeah.
0: Zuma does not only position himself outside the disciplinary uh, code processes and structures of the ANC, he also deploys a narrow Zulu, Zulu nationalist impulse. And the way he does it is very clever. He, he never himself uh, overtly positions himself as a Zulu chauvinist. What he does is not to be critical of those who in his support act as such. And he benefits from that narrow Zulu uh, mm. chauvinism. Now the same thing is likely to happen and I think it's already happening in KZN at the moment. Mm. We, we are hearing voices in KZN of people who are quite strongly invoking a very narrow Zulu nationalist
2: mm.
0: impulse, mm. who, in my view, are positioning BMK party as umkonto sees where Zulu. I have not heard Jacob Zuma huh. speaking against this tendency. I've heard one or two uh, leaders um, of uh, the MK Party uh, criticizing this tendency because they, they, they can see that the very same Zulu nationalist impulse, which was relocated from the IFP to the ANC in 2009, and this is how the ANC takes KZN mm, from the absolute IFP. Absolutely
1: spectacularly so, by the way. May
0: now relocate. Mm. to the MK part. Mm. Some don't care, that have no qualms about Mm. invoking a narrow Zulu nationalism, but others are sensitive to its implications, Mm. particularly for the kind of instability um, that may occur in Mm. Guazulu-Natal. I'm I'm, I'm sensitive to it for for many reasons, starting with the fact that in, in 2006 I was invited with other uh, political analysts um, to a discussion at the National Intelligence Agency Mm. about what was going on in the ANC um, Mm. in 2006 and the extent to which it constitutes a threat to national security.
2: Mm.
0: And when I left um, that meeting, the, the the head of the political section mm. says to me, What do you make of Guazulinata? And I say, Well, you are the intelligence officer. You should tell me.
2: Mm.
0: And he says, Humor me. And I say to him, My worry about Guazulinata is that we achieved peace without a disarmament process. And that gives me sleepless nights. Because the day may come when the arms hidden in different parts of the province may have to be accessed by some to achieve their political ends. So we must be sensitive mm. to any attempt at mobilizing support for any party, in this case the MK party, mm. on the basis of a very narrow Zulu nationalistic and impulse. And because this impulse in the context of a political party, the MK party, may converge with impulses that have attached themselves uh, to what is happening around the Zulu Mm. um, monarchy. Mm. Now, it is not by accident that the Zulu king appointed a member of the IFP uh, as traditional prime minister Hmm. because he understands the political uh, implications of doing that or the political implications of not doing it.
2: Hmm.
0: Now one of the struggles around the king Hmm. has been a political struggle, a political struggle to control him and it has been a struggle between the IFP and the ANC. Hmm. And now, of course, once we add the MK party, remember hmm. that um, Jacob Zuma is interesting today um, in another way. Prince Mangosuthu Buthelezi is no more.
2: Hmm.
0: He has left a virtue. Right now, the most obvious successor in relation to the position in the province that Prince Mahmoud to Soutubuteli occupied Jacob Zuma. Mm.
2: And
0: therefore, if we look at Jacob Zuma in that way and MK, mm. using Jacob Zuma and, and what I've described as the position you may be able to occupy, mm. the MK party may mobilize across the political spectrum in case of members of the IFP. And um, some members of the IP, some members of the ANC, uh, remnants of the National Freedom Party, uh, even some members of the TA mm. may find this party um, attractive. Another thing that is likely to happen is that you will have intra-party instability within the ANC, even intra-party violence some members of the ANC attach themselves to this, this narrow Zulu nationalistic impulse, while others uh, reject it in support of Cyril uh, Ramaphosa. Mm-hmm. So, so, so even the way I look at uh, Jacob Zuma in relation to the role he can play in Guazumana time mm-hmm. is not uninteresting at all.
1: It's really fascinating how you've linked the AmaZulu succession question to the deeper dynamics within the ANC and the political landscape more broadly and I have ne- I I mean I know I knew both stories but the way you've linked the two together is just fascinating to me and I wonder if we can look at the AmaZulu royal succession in in a, a bit more depth since you've gone there as well because Of course, it also implicates Cyril Ramaphosa as the president, who is now responsible for ultimately recognizing, at least in terms of the eyes of the the government and the constitution, the Zulu monarch. We've got Prince Simagadeh on one side. We've got King Misuzulu on the other side. And then we've got President Ramaphosa recognizing formally via the eyes of the state King Misuzulu. And then we've got the court saying, hold on, no, the, the, the right process wasn't followed.
2: Mm.
1: I remember you spoke about various storms that could converge. Mm. Uh, some of them were, one of them was the storm within the ANC. One of them was the storm within the Zulu Royal House. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, We've reached a new intensity of both of those storms. Mm. Um, so what do you make of the, the Amazulu succession battle, these these two camps vying for each mm. other, the courts um, mm. Sh- showing Ramaphosa to have, have been a bit hasty in his recognition, mm. and what that means for, mm. for, for the nation and the country?
0: Let, let us go back to Prince. Um, to mm. me, it doesn't matter whether you loved him or not. This was a very smooth political operator. Um, an, an adroit and smooth political operator who was able to straddle uh, structures of traditional leadership, uh, party politics um and in the context of his position within uh, the structures of traditional leadership also be a very important player within the Zulu monarchy mm. and 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 in the context of Keizer again that gave him um a lot of power now, just before he passes on, very deep tensions develop between him and the king, uh, Nisuzu, mm. over the chairmanship of the Ingonyama Trust.
2: Mm.
0: And there's something he says, he says, if, he, if the king does not listen to me, I will not depose my affidavit. Uh, which affidavit would fortify his position as the legitimate and true heir to King Zolotin. And he says, Mm. if I don't depose this affidavit, you will not be king. You will lose your position. That's Mm -hmm. what he says. Those are some of the last things Mm. uh, He says, and a few months later, what do we see? The court finds as it, it does, and so the crown uh, right now is not resting securely, uh, on the head of the Zulu king, but other things have happened. Because of the duels between Prince Butelezi and the king, Amakos mm. of the different clans that constitute the Zulu nation have been forced to take sides. Yeah. Many of Amakos not with the king the king is isolated many of Amakosi were with the late prince mama in fact we have today clans that are saying we are going to secede if this man Zulu continues being king of amazon so with such noises lies the possibility I've been warning about for the past two years—that the Zulu nation may break up into its into the component nations or clans that formed it, and the process of breaking up may not be peaceful, and that may converge with violence into political arena. And the problem with that, the two provinces will be affected the most, KZN and Gauteng. Now remember for Gauteng, the economic implications are dire. Mm. And therefore for the country are dire. Mm. Because Gauteng, Gauteng is Isibaya of the nation, is the crawl where we keep our cattle, mm. is the crawl where we keep our wealth. If the possibility of instability that I'm warning about becomes more than a possibility, then of course the crawl will burn with dire consequences for the economy, not only of the province, but um, of the country as, as a whole. Now, some glance are saying, I'm not saying we're going to succeed, going to secede, some clans are, are talking about something similar to what we saw in European history with the Pope and the Antipope.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Some clans are saying, no, if this man continues being king against our will, because we don't think is fit to govern, he's fit to rule, or we don't think he's the rightful heir we are prepared to have a situation where the Zulu nation splits into two. Part of the Zulu nation supporting King Zulu mm. and another part of the Zulu nation supporting another
2: mm.
0: as mm. their king. In effect, in this scenario, you end up with two kingdoms, with each kingdom having its uh, own king, which is not unprecedented, by the way. We have mm, mm.
2: Each,
0: each one having its own. Mm. We won't go into the history that gave us that, but yeah, the yeah. point I'm making is that it's not unprecedented. Absolutely. My fear is that that process may not be mm. um, peaceful. Mm. So, so what the Zulu, I, I, I mean, the royal family must remember is mm. this. The monarchy does not belong to an individual. And so, King Mrs. Zulu and his brother's mother, they must remember that. The monarchy and therefore the Zulu monarchy does not belong to an individual. Secondly, the monarchy does not belong to a family. It belongs to the Zulu nation. What? A family um, in whom the monarchy resides currently does with it may determine whether the Zulu nation, the true owners of the monarchy, to determine whether they still want it to be the custodians of the monarchy. At the moment, this family is mismanaging the mon- monarchy. And already within KZN questions are being asked whether it is not time to relocate the monarchy to another family. Those questions are being asked. Now, those questions themselves um, portend a future for the Zulu nation that doesn't look good. But if they continue mismanaging the Zulu monarchy, destabilizing the Zulu nation. Um, The next instability we're going to see is in the monarchy of Mm Abengon. Now, remember, almost every nation in South Africa has a twist around the monarchy.
2: Sure.
0: Now, once the monarchy... Of the zulu schools abengone will follow and all other monarchies will follow and actually the monarchy in southern africa will collapse
1: Hmm. it's a fascinating one to keep an eye on gogo and and it's so interesting how because we've been having these conversations for nearly five years now
0: yes almost yes
1: you know we we're developing an archive of conversations that trace back an archive of controversy (laughs) indeed (laughs) indeed yeah (laughs) and you've just added to that now (laughs) in significant ways um i wanted to come back to one more question around all all that we've been discussing before we move on to slightly different themes because we've looked at uh, mk we've looked at former president zuma the anc's response how that Goes over into questions of Amazulu succession. The final thing on the on this wide constellation of questions is you started us off talking about how Zuma needs to be this Zuma moment needs to be understood in relation to the Polokwane moment, and at the centre of the Polokwane moment, in addition to uh, former President Zuma, is former President Mbeki. Now he has just come out. Swinging in ways yes. that are very rare uh, for a former president to do, but hey, former presidents have just decided yes, that they—they're yes, yes. <laughs> they're leaving their armchairs. They are not sitting down. Yeah. Yes. Saying that the Zuma era was counter-revolutionary, uh, saying that, as as the SABC has has reported, um, it was an era where institutions like SARS and ESCOM were captured. Uh, it really dented the image of the ANC. And so we have these wars of the former presidents going on in the background of this election. Clearly, the ANC was at pains to bring Becky to the front of whatever camera could be seen at the NEC uh, gatherings and, and Lekhotlas to show that this former president is still very much within this camp. Um, to add one further layer of complexity, former President Mbeki himself, though, has also been very critical of President Ramaphosa. Exactly. So, how do we read former President Mbeki's remarks and and his increasingly interesting role in our politics?
0: Well, former presidents, former leaders, all over the world tend to worry a lot about their legacy as if they are going to have control over how they are remembered. They have no control over how they will be remembered. In fact, there is a possibility they will be forgotten, forgotten because what they achieved is forgettable, but that's not what they think. Now. Former President Takumbeke must own part of the problem, must own part of the fact that the Zuma moment was delivered by some of the choices he made and did not make. I remember an NUC meeting whose outcome excited me a lot. I think it was in September 2006. When for the first time in a long time, I saw the NEC providing leadership to the leadership of the party. Hmm. When it said, you two, Jacob Zuma and Tabombeki, you must, after this meeting, sit down. Hmm. Craft a solution for this fractional problem we have now that is dividing the ANC come and jointly present to the NEC that solution.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, they never met. So in that sense, there was a failure of leadership right at the top between the president and the deputy president of the ANC at the time. Tabombeki and Jacob Zuma failed to show leadership to the ANC at critical moments in the evolution of the battle for Bulgaria. And therefore both must shoulder some responsibilities or some responsibility for where we are today with a continuing factional dynamic disguising itself as an agenda for renewal. Another thing for me is this, I challenge you to find and you can go to the grave too if you run out of options. (laughs) I challenge you to find a former president of the ANC who thinks things only went wrong when he was no longer leader of the ANC. While he was leader of the ANC, things did not go wrong. Mm. I challenge you to find um, a leader of the ANC who will say, well, there are things which went wrong during my time as leader of the ANC. In fact, some of them, went wrong because of me. Then there's the question of what leadership means in the ANC. There are things that are not in the ANC constitution. For instance, one of the functions of the National Executive Committee of the ANC is to manage both the strengths and the weaknesses of the ANC leader. In both the case of Tabumbek and Jacob Zuma, the ANC failed badly to manage the strengths and the weaknesses mm. of the ANC leader. That is written nowhere in the ANC constitution, but that is one of the functions of the NEC, of the ANC, to manage the weaknesses and the strengths of the ANC leader and to transcend having succeeded in managing those weaknesses and strengths of the ANC leader, to transcend the leadership weaknesses mm. of the ANC
1: leader. Mm. That's and it's one of the strengths.
0: That's one of the mm. tasks of the NEC, partly because of the quality of who is in the ANC. The NEC of the ANC has failed woefully, dismally in performing this task. Now, there's another layer of leadership, the elder. Now, unfortunately, (laughs) um, the ANC talks about elders and somehow there's no connection between age and wisdom. I, I, I have argued, when I've been invited by certain structures of the youth league, mm. that our those who came before us teach us that injela ibuza So the younger generation must seek the direction of the older generation. But I say there is a second saying we forget that those who came before us left us with. In other words, you do not have to be of a certain age to be a leader or to be a wise person. And I say to the extent that there is a lack of wisdom in what I would call the eldership of the ANC, it is the second saying that is relevant today, Ubu daughter abu it is the young people in the ANC who must give direction to the ANC because the elders are failing. But Ubudota Abu Ab- Ab- has another meaning. It is not only men who can lead. And one of the things that is lacking in the ANC is feminine wisdom. And women in the ANC need to rise to their rightful position to provide leadership on the basis of feminine wisdom. The ANC lacks that. So the problem with the ANC, and in this respect, the ANC is a microcosm of the the world as a whole. In the world as a whole, there are many people who are old but there are no elders. In the same way, there are many people who are old in the ANC, but there are no uh, elders. In some ways, it is reflected in what is said and done by former ANC leaders of a certain age.
1: Gogo, one of the other strands of what we've been talking about which connects directly to all that we've spoken about today is and let's look at the election now um we've done very well in 2024 to only come to the election relatively late Mm. in, in this conversation you've you've made the case that the DA figured out a very long time ago that it doesn't need to govern as long as it can be the tail that wags the dog of mm-hmm. at least a dominant faction within the ANC. But of late, now more than ever, there are voices that are rising to really propose this union, an unprecedented and historic union um, between the ANC and the DA. So we've seen the president of the Veterans League, Snoogie Zagalala, saying, we really need to seriously consider this. We've seen, I'm not sure whether he's still, are you still a veteran if you've left the party and then rejoined the party? Continuous membership.
0: Ah, right, right. So, 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 so Msimang left, left the party yeah. for three minutes. Yeah. We can't regard him as uh, <laughs> a, a, an elder anymore yeah, because for so. three minutes he was not in the ANC.
1: <laughs> so, uh, ANC member um, Mavuso Msimang has still, you know, has seemed to, surprisingly to me actually, mm. seemed to back this call. Senior leaders in the in the DA, John Steenhuisen um, and Jordan Hill Lewis, have also said, if the moonshot-packed multi-party charter doesn't work, mm-hmm. the next best option. And in many ways, and I'll, I'll put this to you, you can disagree or agree, but some are saying, actually, the DA knows very well that the multi-party charter is not going to get 50%. And they are doing the big multi-party charter song and dance. But when it doesn't get to 50%, they're going to turn around and say, well, what do you want us to do? There's only one other option. We can't join with the EFF enemy number one. So we have to join with the ANC. What do you make of these calls? And uh, do you think this is a, a serious prospect in the future?
0: Let me say one last thing about Jacob Zuma Mm. before we proceed to that. And I'm simply repeating what I've said in the past, what I've written in the past
1: Mm.
0: about Jacob Zuma, but this worry is back.
1: Yeah.
0: I have expressed the worry that Jacob Zuma suffers from what I call the Samson complex, as in Samson and Delilah that in order to get what he wants, I think he is prepared to pull down the pillars of the temple with all of us underneath the temple. So that's another way in which I look at him. Um, That contrary to what, he wants us to believe that he's acting in the interests of the ANC, in the interests of the poor, in the interests of the working class. My own suspicion has always been and continues to be that he has always acted and is now acting to primarily advance his own interests. Now, that does not mean, because Jacob Zuma is quite strategic as, as, as someone with foresight and takes the long view. Mm-hmm. I don't think Jacob Zuma has not painted a scenario in his mind in which he loses this battle. Hmm. And that this battle ends with this political demise. I don't think he has not done that, calculation as a possible scenario, but I think he will be satisfied if this political demise comes at the expense of the stability of the democratic project Hmm. or the stability of the ANC. So that's that's the last thing I wanted to to say. Hmm. Um, and I don't say this easily, mm-hmm. because I do remember that prior to Pulugwane, I was enemy number one of the Suma coalition.
1: Is that so? You've been enemy number one of so many...
0: Yeah, all these factions.
1: Yeah. I wonder if, if, if the Ramaphosa faction will re-welcome you into their ranks now, Gogo. Go.
0: <laughs> well, they have never <laughs> invited me. <laughs> so. Um, the DA. Mm. It is not politics that is going to be at the center of what happens after this election. It is money. Capital and Today, I don't want to call them white monopoly capital. Mm. Let's just call them capital. Mm. Mm. Maybe tomorrow I'll be in the mood to call them white monopoly (laughs) capital. Capital is not disinterested in the outcome. Firstly, of battles within the ANC. Secondly, of battles within the DA, and in the outcome of the election itself. There's something else that has not always been understood about capital. Capital sometimes acts on the basis of contradictory impulses. Ideologically, capital would rather not have a party like the ANC in power. But regards the ANC as the lesser devil compared to some of the alternatives, such as the EFF, for instance. Mm. And so the next best prize to not having a party such as the ANC in power is to have the ANC in power, but to have a stable ANC. Because an ANC with a strong electoral mandate, uh, mandate, delivers policy certainty and policy predictability. Mm.
2: Mm.
0: That's what capital wants. So prize number one, white minority rule continues by any means possible. But realistically, white white minority rule is not in the offering. Second best thing, you accept the reality of an ANC that is the ruling party. But a weak ANC is a problem to capital because it compromises political certainty Mm. Mm. and policy certainty, particularly with regard to economic policy.
2: Sure.
0: So to the extent that capital continues to support the ANC, they do so because the dividend they want is policy certainty, particularly as it pertains to um, economic policy. But the ANC becomes so discredited that capital begins to realize that the ANC may lose power. But then the dilemma for capital is, if the ANC loses power, is there another party through which our economic interests can be Advanced in the same way they've been advanced through the ANC mm. And so they opt for something else. We must invest in ensuring that the ANC and no a- a- ANC does not win an outright majority and no other party wins uh, an outright majority. In other words, you invest in a plethora of opposition parties Mm. that seemingly exist in opposition to the ANC and thereby you split the ANC vote or the Black vote, to put it more crudely, Mm. you end up with a coalition arrangement at national level and you hope or you work towards ensuring that 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 post-election coalition government is stable. And then the question you ask is, what will render it stable? Yeah. Firstly, its conf- configuration. Mm-hmm. And so, prize number one for capital is a coalition arrangement at the centre of which lies the ANC and the DA.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, in in that scenario, of course, the moonshot multi Party charter is a long shot. (laughs) So the DA discards the moonshot multi party charter Mm. in favor of a coalition arrangement um, with the ANC. Mm. And of course, they can have negotiations about who becomes the president of the country, for Mm. instance. Mm. And in, in, in that case, what capital will want is a Ramaphos. Mm. And then there the will be negotiations about who becomes deputy president yeah. um, of the country. And then the next discussion is to lock this coalition arrangement into certain policy arrangements, mm. particularly as it pertains to the economy.
2: Yeah, sure. There is
0: an understanding that in some ways the ANC and the DA are two sides of the same coin, when when it comes to um, economic policy. Capital can live with a situation where there are differences between the ANC and let's say the DA on foreign policy, because there will be, Mm. Mm. but will tolerate less differences between the DA and the ANC when it comes to economic policy. And the question then is by what means will capital ensure that the DA and the ANC act jointly Mm. in their interests.
1: In some ways, it would be the, the absolute apex of capital's control over government policy in the state, because you'd put the ANC, let's say, 45 and, and the DA somewhere around 20 or, you know, or even 15. And you have a two-thirds majority, potentially, actually. You have a two-thirds majority between the two. Yeah. Um, and once those two are able to unite, probably around a, a, a mission driven by, let's call them economic elites, the media is sewn up, politics is sewn up, and the economy is sewn up.
0: To your point, so today, former president Tawambeki talks about counter-revolution. So, so Zuma chooses others of counter-revolution, and Beki does the, the same to Zuma. Mm. We, we must be open to the possibility that counter-revolution will come in the form of a -A -A T-A-A-N-C coalition. Hmm. So we must be open to that possibility. To your point Mm. about capital. My, I will say this, this election is a non-event. Hmm. to me. Remember what our people are being sold is the idea that this election is going to deliver change of a kind that will ameliorate their social economic conditions amongst other things. In relation to that desire, this election is not going to do that. And is therefore a non-event.
2: Hmm.
0: In fact, what I foresee is a situation where, a month, two months, six months, a year, two years after this election, the country is in the midst of deep social political instability because what the new political order, post-election order, has delivered is much less than was promised before the election or by the coalition uh, government. So what I foresee is that because the election is is going to fail to deliver on the promise of a better life Mm -hmm. for uh, for all, you can, you can, uh, give it a million years to succeed, it won't. Mm. Because it is going to fail, citizens are going to look for alternative ways to express their aspirations, And they will be outside the former party political space or the formal realm of um, politics. And as they seek Alternative forms of political expression to give effect to their aspirations. What we may see are very deep levels of social economic instability hmm. in the country. That said, non-event or not, I beg you to go and. And the reason why I am begging you to go and vote, notwithstanding what I've just said, Mm. is that I continue to talk about the world as it is and the world as we wish it to be. And therefore, the change we desire is not going to come through a single event, such as an election. It will be the product of a process of many struggles go and vote, because by voting even if the alternative to what exists today is poor, your vote may deliver the opening of enough space for us to work within to deliver a true alternative further down in the future.
1: Well, I think we may have to leave it there. Uh, We've gone for an hour and 20 minutes nearly. Um, So we might have to, as we postpone the Amazulu Royal Succession debate to to today, we might have to postpone the the uh, Gaza-Palestine-Israel question. Um, One that's central and actually maybe foreshadows some of what you say about Mm -hmm. if an ANCDA pact is going to come together how are they going to smooth over their obvious foreign policy divides
0: i I agree we must postpone the Mm. discussion on gaza because the genocide is not Mm. going to end soon Mm. all i will say is this Mm. it may not be a genocide in law that does not mean it is not a genocide
1: well Gogo, we thank you again for your insights. Uh, we look forward to our next conversation. We hope we can have you a number of times this year because I think the nation needs the kind of sober, far-sighted analysis that you can provide Togo Goko, thank you very much. aye.